Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1235 at Edmonton. I will get to some of your texts because you're obviously bringing it on the whole situation involving Tom Wilson. And also counterbalancing that with what we're watching with Connor McDavid on a nightly basis. This is Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open for takeout and delivery through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Eltoff will take care of you at Roos Chris, open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. at night. Every Wednesday on Oilers Now, we are joined by the NHL Network's Brian Lott, former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, ran Octagon's uh, hockey agency for a number of years, number one pick, 1980. NHL draft is uh, we tell you mattress superstore give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life take the sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress we welcome back to the show Brian Lott and Brian how are you I'm doing fantastic Bob how are you good uh, well there's a lot of fans out there that are outraged with the league's decision to only find Tom Wilson because the optics were pretty ugly involving the New York Rangers, uh, Pavel Buchnevich and Artemi Panarin. Uh, we've had a lot of animated discussion with a lot of different perspectives. Uh, the general perception amongst our fan base is that uh, Gary and the league, the Department of Player Safety, needed to uh, rule uh, in a more... Um, a harsher fashion against Wilson. He should have been suspended games. And there's also a belief, maybe from more so some of the older uh, school uh, listeners and texters to the show, that the Rangers also needed to do a better job of uh, of uh, answering uh, what transpired on the ice. I'd like to get your perspective. Well, I, I'm friends with George Peros. I think he does an excellent job for the Department of Player Safety. Uh, that doesn't mean I always agree with him in this particular case. You know, because Tom's a repeat offender, I honestly believed, uh, I didn't believe he'd get, you know, the suspension for the end of the year, into the playoffs, anything like that. I just thought most the most likely outcome would be he would be suspended at least a game or two or maybe even perhaps three. I wish at the very least they had suspended him for one. I can appreciate the predicament for him. You have to have specific reason to invest guys and, you know, Tom Wilson. If it were me, I think I would have just said, look, I've warned you six times. You got to calm down. You got to cool it down. You got to whatever. I don't want to have these conversations with you. And it just, it, I, I would have suspended him. That's that's my final readout. There's no other way to say it. I always speak my mind. I always say what I think. I know sometimes the listeners don't realize that, uh, but that's how I honestly feel about it. Uh, one game at least, and I think it would have significantly diffused this situation, take him out of the game against the Rangers. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised. Um Joffrey Lupul spoke yesterday on a podcast, uh, a guy who's, you know, probably fought five or six times in his NHL career, played in the Western League when guys like Colt Knorr and Derek Bugard were in the league and, and just said that, 
you know, he basically said that's not a great look on the Rangers either. They kind of got punked by Tom Wilson, and uh, and maybe there needed to be a greater response from that team. I mean, he's going after two of your best. Artemi Panarin is a, I assert to you, it certainly points per game wise, has been a top ten player in the league for the last several years. Uh, did you think the Rangers did enough to defend their teammate in that situation? Well, it, first of all, I love Panarin for the fact that he jumped on top of a raging bull. Yep. And I mean, literally, literally uh, if Artemi Panarin had decided to sit that one out, people probably could have reconciled that for what he does and what he means for that team, but he didn't. And in the end, Tom Wilson you know, was pretty abusive to him. Yes. Of course, Tom Wilson would say that he jumped on my back. So then you get into who shot Jack, which is a long circular argument. So um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting because I saw somewhat similar events in the Vancouver game with Alex Edler, you know, fighting Wayne Simmons. So I don't know. The, the league is changing. I think we're caught in this unique dynamic where fighting used to settle a lot of those issues. And that tended to diffuse things. Now it's a little bit of purgatory where occasionally you have a team that is looking for the league to settle those matters, the Department of Player Safety. And I don't think we've continued, I don't think we have completely figured out how we get through this point. Because there's no doubt that fighting is being reduced. I happen to like fighting in the game. I never like stage fighting and things like that, but I did did as few times as I fought, I still thought it served a purpose. Now we're transitioning and evolving, and I just think we're a little bit stuck in no man's land right now. Yeah, well, I mean, Brian, there was an incredible amount of fighting in the NHL uh, circa 1986 to 1992, 93. Like, you had five or six guys on teams that would regularly fight back then. Uh, into the early 2010s, you had super heavyweights that were one-dimensional, and you might have one guy per team that would do that, and then a light heavyweight. Now we're at the stage where every guy that fights seemingly in a league has to be a functional tough guy. Like, you know, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, Tom Wilson can play. He's a legitimate top six NHL forward. Wayne Simmons in his prime was a top six forward. He's probably still an effective third liner. Uh, I do think uh, you brought up the situation with Vancouver with Alex Edler. I know he'd never been in a career fight, but he stuck his knee out on a guy, and he's going to be forced to respond to deal with that. And that's, you know, you reap what you sow sometimes. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm sensing that there's been a move to have the league make things accountable. And I'm not sure you can necessarily do that. Like, I still think teams kind of have to police things themselves out on the ice. It's a very tricky area. What do you think? I do think you have to have a still have to have a – it just has to come in a pack mentality. That's all. You don't necessarily have to have one guy that all he can do is fight and that's his role. Like, I believe those days are over, but you still need to have team toughness, and this is apropos – the Edmonton Oilers because you can rest assured the strategy against them and the first round, whoever they play is going to be to give Connor McDavid at the very least a rough ride. And it's up to the team to respond, not just Connor. He can't be on an Island. And uh, that concerns me a little bit with Connor. Cause one thing about Connor, he's not a flopper, but every guy that skates by him is going to cross check him and give him a shot a little bit like Montreal's tried to play him. In the regular season here, that'll be exaggerated. I am curious to see how it's called. 
And uh, that will be fascinating to me. But in terms of where we are and how do you do with it, for me, if I'm building a team, and Ken Holland you know, was really the first guy to go away from having uh, that tough one player. You look back at the history of Detroit, they just won and rolled through that, and the power play did a lot of the talking. That was really unique, and he was really groundbreaking in that area. The rest of the league has followed since uh, since he really started that. But um, in, in these particular cases, you don't need to have the fighter. You just have to have a team that doesn't change their game when the going gets tough. The other thing you that need is to the do, secret. The other thing, Brian, is you've got to have a good power play. Edmonton moved back to number yes. one, to back to the number one power play. First time all season they've been at number one. Okay, after last night's game against Vancouver, the Oilers had the best power play in the league last year, best power play in forty years last season, and then again that now they're at the number one power play again. The problem is we have officials, Brian, who don't want to influence the outcome of the games and put teams on the power play. So we've got like we had like last night we had Mark Jonette. Mark Jonette hates. He doesn't make a lot of penalty calls during the course. If you looked at the numbers on the games that he does, there's statistically fewer penalty calls in games that he does than several other officials in the league. And so the officials are influenced the game by their lack of action in terms of calling things. And it becomes like hack as Shaq was uh, when Shaq was in his prime. Let's just put him, you know what, don't let him drive to the basket. Just put him on the foul line and let's take our chances that he's, you know, he's going to shoot sub 80% from the free throw line. And it's the opposite effect with the Oilers. If, you know, you're going to you're going to sit there and hack and whack McDavid and bet on the officials not to dictate the outcome of the game by not making calls. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, and and I don't. I understand that strategy fully. I just don't agree with it. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more tightness in how the games are called. Yes. If a guy's flying by and you reach out and hook him, even if he's not near the play, or you give him a flash across the wrist, that was commonplace when I played. It was such commonplace that almost every guy either taped their wrist or wore some form of wristbands. My arms used to be cut all the time by stick, like razor cuts from a stick. That's just the way it was. It's different now, and the game is better for it. I wish I could have played in this time. It looks like a hell of a lot of fun. It's certainly a hell of a lot of entertainment for, for fans. And not just Connor McDavid. There's tons of guys doing it. So I'd like to see it called tighter. I'd really like to see dangerous plays eliminated more than anything, but um, headshots in particular, and we're moving in that direction. We're doing a good job. We're not there yet. We're joined right now by Brian Lawton for Mattress Superstore. And, Brian, it's interesting. So much focus. And tonight this is an NBC game, Washington and the Rangers. But the fact of the matter is Connor McDavid is averaging 1.82 points per game. He has now moved into fourth all-time in NHL points per game, career points per game. You played against the two guys that were 1-2. You caught Mike Bossy kind of on the, the back half of his career before he got frustrated because of some of the abuse that he took on the ice. But uh, Gretzky, 1.92. Uh, Lemieux, 1.88. Bossy, 1.5. McDavid, 1.4. He just jumped past Bobby Orr. Tells you how good Bobby Orr was. And and so here we are focused on this, this Washington Rangers rematch. All the while, Connor McDavid's chasing 100 points. It, it should be a terrific story for the National Hockey League that you got a player of this skill set, uh, a generational star like this, performing on this level, Brian. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, and that there's so 
so many issues and so many storylines around that. Connor's handing it, handling this whole matter incredibly. You know, this is it is a huge deal for him to get a hundred points in fifty six games. It is a huge story, and yet he's staying focused on what the mission is for the organization, and that is to get in the playoffs, with they, which they've achieved, and then to do some damage. So I commend him for the way he's handling it. That really is part of what makes him so special, very laser-focused and not uh, very selfless in his focus. And when you have that, you have the makings of something really incredible. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time till the Oilers achieve that. So, But the story itself, yeah, I'm disappointed that we're talking about the Tom Wilson. That's why I say, at the very least, he should have been suspended. And I got in trouble earlier in the year, not from any sources, but from some of my media peers, that, and one in particular that works for the Boston Bruins, when I said Tom Wilson, right after I saw the initial hit live on TV, I said, geez, I don't think that was suspendable. That was against Brandon Carlo. Of course, he did go on and get suspended. I was totally wrong. I call it how I see it. Yep. I saw it live. That was my first blush. I had Jack Edwards calling me out. Can't believe what an idiot I am. I was just like, seriously? So, you know, I was I was for Tom Wilson then, and now I'm looking at it saying I would have suspended him. It's just the way I see it. I'm not saying there's a rhyme or reason. Guy's an effective player. I thought it was too much. I thought the league could have saved themselves a lot of angst if we weren't talking about this. If you had gotten Tom Wilson out of this next game, well, we got um, some we got some breaking news right now involving the New York Rangers. Larry Brooks is reporting the New York Rangers have fired John Davidson and Jeff Gordon. The Post has learned that Chris Drury will remain in the organization and have a prominent role. Is this in response to what happened yesterday with the uh, post that came out from the Rangers organization? Uh, very assertively going after and challenging the competency of George Peros and the Department of Player Safety in response to what occurred? I don't know. How about that? Boom. Yeah. Now being that, that is a, That's massive. There were a lot of people that raised that issue to me this morning that I did not see John David's name on the Rangers release. So obviously that tells you that came from Mr. Dolan, who has had his own questions in the past of how he's handled matters so uh, very interesting that that is really truly shocking um surprising shocking surprising stunned that's wow. the best way to describe it right now yep. tsn's stunned. frank Cer- uh tsn's frank cervelli uh one of the most plugged in guys in the business says sources said that new york rangers president john davidson and G- uh, general manager jeff's uh, gordon scurried to distance themselves from the team's statement that was issued on Tuesday night, telling other executives that they did not know it was in the works until after it was released. It's funny, I had a call this morning with an assistant general manager of a Western Conference team, not Edmonton, who said, stop, there's going to be some news coming down the pipe today. I thought it was involving a team out west, not a team in the east. That is that is wild stuff. Uh, never a dull moment. All right, final one for you here. You were the guy to tell us, that, hey, keep an eye on Dave Tippett. Uh, it's got to be stated uh, the orders have been the 
best team uh, since they lost the three straight games to the Maple Leafs. They've been the best team in Canada since then. In fact, the Oilers are 29-11-2 in their last 42 games since they started the year 3-6. and six. Yes, they've got you know McDavid and Drysaddle 1-2 in scoring. They've got Darnell Nurse having an unbelievable season. Legit top-pairing defenseman now. Mike Smith's been all world. But they've also got structure and they've got experience. Structure with the coach, experience with the general manager. You had a good feel on Dave Tippett you called the Oilers last year to make the playoffs. You said again this year they'd be right in the hunt for the top three. What is it about that combination, do you think, between Ken and Dave Tippett that has worked with this group right now? Uh, I, I just think you've got two really smart hockey men at the helm. You know, Ken, um, very steady, long-term view, not too caught up in the, in the short term, more of a bigger picture guy. Dave Tippett, way more attention to details with individual players. I did speak to Tip this morning. I actually wanted to ask him about Darnell Nurse because, you know, what he's been able to accomplish is a story that doesn't even get talked about this year. But this guy has done the hardest thing you can do in hockey, which is to improve your hockey IQ. I questioned that at times for Darnell in the past, and I'm told that uh, nobody works harder on their game in terms of reviewing video and wanting to get better than Darnell, but it's more than that. I think it comes from the background of his family. So I love that story. Dave Tippett, he just has a way. If, if anybody's really paid attention in Edmonton this year, and I know fans do like crazy because I hear kind of the oohs and ahs when certain players don't play, Dave Tippett has done the best job of any coach in this league this year of keeping his group focused, relatively happy, and moving forward. It has been a challenge that nobody else has ever had to deal with in this league before in terms of all the coaches having to keep this many players happy. And Tip does it so seamlessly behind the scenes, but he does get a lot of grief for it at times from fans, and I found that interesting. Yes. Ultimately, he knows what he's doing, and you got to trust in this guy. His, the way he handles and speaks with players, the, the, the reverence that he has for every single player on the roster is what every young coach needs to understand. Everybody matters. And, and Dave Tippett conveys that message as well or better than anybody else in the league, and I think that's been a big part of their success this year. Brian, the Oilers are ninth in goals for, ninth in goals against, uh, first now in the power play. They went into last night's game 13th on the PK. A year ago, they were first and second, respectively, in those areas. Uh, they're fifth in the league in save percentage. They're middle of the pack in face-offs, and their shot metrics are 17th and 20th, and I think that's because they lack a little bit of depth in their third and fourth lines, and they're going to have cap space to address that in the offseason, which is why I think there's going to be a chance for them to progress from being a good team to a really good team next season. Hey, you just look at those metrics, uh, and I think we're headed down a, a fairly – I don't want to overstate where they're at right now, but I do think they'll have room to grow and improve for next year. Uh, they completely do. I think it speaks to the fact – my observation from watching their team is that they have a number of players that have played well at times, but some of them aren't quite up to snuff yet. And it's almost like Dave Tippett has to figure out who's trending up and who's trending down. One thing Edmonton has, and Ken Holland is the guy responsible for this, is he didn't have a lot of money to play with. He didn't have a lot of options to go out and get proven big-name players 
uh, take up a lot of cap space. He had to do it more with depth. And he's got the perfect coach to deploy that depth. He's used it beautifully. Uh, now, some guys have played well. Then, you know, I think Alagason, he had a little bit of an injury, which I think slowed him down. Yep. But uh, even just getting Kulikov, it's just more depth. It's not a big move. It was an economical price. It gives them one more piece that they can kind of move up to put everybody in their place in terms of what they can contribute at this time in a playoff run. It's yet to see how that plays out in the playoffs. But, boy, I love the job that uh, Tip and Ken have done putting this thing together and getting most out of this roster when you look at the constraints that they had on the salary cap side, things that they inherited coming in. They're doing an excellent job. Brian, great stuff. Love having you on the show. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. From the uh, NHL Network, courtesy of the Mattress Superstore, that is Brian Lawton. When we come back, we'll get to NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing. Again, the news of the day, the New York Rangers have fired John Davidson, their president, their general manager, Jeff Gordon. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. All right, multiple sources as we go right right now at uh, 1257 into NHL Today, brought to you daily on this show by Elite Promotional Marketing, company branded PPE available, including logoed masks, all created in-house. Drew Shamahorn and his staff at Elite. Visit ElitePromoMarketing.com, Edmonton-owned and operated. Elliot Friedman, who will rejoin us on Friday on Oilers Now, has said, like many of you, I assume this had to do with the events of the past 48 hours. But Friedman says, I don't believe Davidson Gordon had anything to do with last night's Rangers statement. It was James Dolan driven. He, of course, owns the New York Rangers. However, there is word that Dolan was unhappy with the Rangers season and wanted to make a change. Seems crazy to me because they've come a long, long way in two years. But he's the owner again. uh, That is the biggest story in hockey, especially in light with what happened. And I got to tell you, Chris Drury now running the Rangers. That might bode well for a guy like Chris Knobloch, who did a pretty good job when he pinch hit when the Rangers coaches had the COVID scare. Here's Brendan Escott with the rest of NHL today. Yeah, nine games on the schedule tonight. Ottawa hosts Montreal. Calgary welcomes Winnipeg. And, uh, yeah, the Rangers host Washington. Ding, ding. Flyers defenseman Shane Gostisbehere does have a hearing with the Department of Player Safety for a late board on Penguins defenseman Mark Friedman. Good luck guessing the disciplinary action there. Maple Leafs signed 26-year-old KHL forward Kirill Semyonov to a one-year entry-level contract. He uh, won the league with Omsk Avangard putting up 26 points in 60 games. Bakersfield home to Colorado tomorrow and Friday. Josh Williams had the overtime winner in the final uh, Oil Kings home game last night to beat Lethbridge 3-2 at the Downtown Community Arena. Team concludes the regular season tomorrow on the road in Medicine Hat having already been crowned Central Division champions for a third straight year. And uh, Team Canada faced is Sweden. Semi-finals of the U18 World Hockey Championship, 4 o'clock tonight. Uh, Canada won the round-robin matchup 12-1, but the Swedes did upset the U.S. in the quarters and are a perennial force at this tournament. Winner goes on to play the winner of Finland and Russia in the final. All right, it's 12.59 in Edmonton. We're going to head off to a global news weather traffic update and come back with, uh, oh, he's a bit of a milk toast. doesn't upset anybody or get anybody riled up at all on either side of the political ledger or, for that matter, on the analytics debate. David Staples of the Cult Hockey after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.